Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Playoff Bound Padres Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, September 21st. My name, of course, is Javier Reyes, as always, your host of this year, Locked On Padres Podcast. I'm sorry, <clears throat> Locked On Playoff Bound Padres Podcast. Uh, check out a follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on there with any questions you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them here on the show. And today's show, guys, uh, a really simple one. Just going to be kind of giving my thoughts on what transpired over the weekend. And then I'm going to be talking about just some main points, I guess, some general points that I thought of or what I'm going to be looking forward to watching in terms of the rest of the season, considering they are uh, officially the Padres clinched the playoff spot. Uh, so let's just let's just get right into it. a very simple uh, and probably quick episode. I know. I always say that it's going to be quick and then it ends up being like 30 minutes. So we'll see how that goes. But um. Guys, um, I don't really know where to start. Uh, first of all, um, Paddock, he had his, he had a good first start uh, back from injury. And by injury, it was only he missed like one start. He had the whole ankle thing. Um, he was really good and held the Mariners to uh, just one hit, striking out three and walking two. Uh, went six innings, which was nice on 91 pitches. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good. I thought what was interesting um, was just that his cutter, he started using that. No, I shouldn't say his cutter like he used it before. He started using a cutter more. And to be perfectly honest with you guys, I didn't really know he was capable of throwing that all that much. And he used it like probably basically for the first time all season. An average velo of around 87, and it seemed to have worked. I don't know if that was just a case of the Mariners not being a great team and the fact that nobody had seen him throw his cutter before, so just kind of that newness from them. But... I still thought it was encouraging, and I think that it's funny because uh, Padres Obsessed West on Twitter uh, brought up my tweet when I was like, hey, you guys got to apologize to, to me. I tagged myself in the tweet, uh, you know, about him being worried about Paddock, and he kind of uh, made fun of that and was like, okay, bye. And I was like, well, in my head, I'm just like, that's that's funny. First of all, I like the gift that uh, Wes used, but I thought, you know, I'm still worried about the guy for this season. And I don't think that that changes just because he did well against the Mariners. Now, I have to admit, shutting them out is nice, uh, even if it is just three strikeouts. But shutting them out and only giving up one hit is still really impressive. I just think that I would be... Do any of you, like, I, I genuinely mean this, like, would you guys trust Chris Paddock? And I don't even know if they have to, which is what's interesting. In a... Oops, burped for a second there. Uh, would you guys trust him in, like, a high leverage situation in the postseason? Not entirely sure. Not entirely sure, especially since he's never been to postseason before. You know, this team actually has a lot of young guys, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, so it's going to be interesting seeing them in the postseason. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily super trust him. It was encouraging. Maybe he'll get one more starter against San Fran. Maybe like my, how I alluded to earlier, like the momentum thing. Maybe he'll, if he has another great start, then they'll feel better about using him in the postseason. But we'll still have to see. Um, but still, it was, that was that was a good game. I watched that on Friday. I think it was, was that Friday? My God. It doesn't even feel like it was on Friday that game uh I don't know I don't know why but it just does it uh and then the next game we ended up losing one to four which kind of effectively 
very I know that the Dodgers series confirmed it, but this really, really confirmed that we probably were going to overtake them because they keep winning, of course. Uh, it was basically one of those bullpen days where Patino, who I believe got option to the alternate site, uh, he only goes one to two thirds, gives up a run on three hits, two walks, three Ks. So it was an awful, but still he did give up the run. Uh, Dan Altavia, uh, he went in, didn't do any better. He gave up two runs on a hit. Um, also walked two and struck at three. Um, Adrian Morhone who I think is one of the great revelations of the bullpen in the past, like, basically month at this point. It doesn't feel like a month, but basically last month, where I wouldn't be surprised if they start this guy if they have to in the postseason. Uh, I don't think they will, but I think that he could be just such a key cog. He's been great. Um, I think he's probably a—he could be a frontrunner for next year for a rotation spot. I'm not totally sure exactly what the contract situation is with with Davis and maybe Richards. I think they actually only have Richards on the books for this year, but uh, he could be like a, a part of the starting five next year, and I would not be upset about that. I would be really looking forward to that. He's been absolutely excellent. Basically, ever since the bullpen, like the giant mass exodus in terms of the bullpen being good, he's basically been pretty great, striking out a lot of guys when he needs to. I know he had that one bad out against Houston. We still ended up winning that game, I'm pretty sure, but... Uh, Oh, yeah, of course we did. We swept Texas, duh. Um, we, but aside from that, he's been pretty pretty phenomenal along with the rest of the bullpen. Hey, even Stammen managed to go through the game without giving up a run. But bottom line is, for the Mariners, we just could have hit them. Uh, Justice Sheffield, who's been kind of like their average decent kind of pitcher this year. He he goes six uh, innings, does give up six hits, but only one run, obviously. Uh, so that wasn't great. And it was unfortunate the way the game ended. I was watching that. Uh, I actually watched it with my mom. I brought down my laptop because the last time I brought down my laptop in a high leverage situation when I was watching the Padres and my mom was watching was the Machado Grand Slam. So I was hoping they could kind of repeat that. They did it, of course. Myers and Cronenworth both couldn't come through. A very rare, uh, you know, not clutch situation for for Will Myers. And we're going to talk about him a little bit later uh, and just not coming up big with the hit there. But we're going to talk about big hits with Will Myers later. Uh, And then lastly, of course, yesterday's game, 7-4, 7-4, who better than Denelson LeBet to get us the postseason berth, the postseason clinched berth, uh, confirmed, you know? And I, I raised the question to you guys, is this the best Padres pitcher that they've had since the last time they made the playoffs, which was 2006? Um, from The Athletic, from Dennis Lynn, he actually wrote, he's the first Padres pitcher to strike out double-digit batters in three consecutive outings since Jake Peavy in 2007. That's right, guys. That was his Cy Young year. Now, here's what I I would like to raise. Here's what I'd like to raise. I'd like to just give a shout-out to just being a host of this podcast and the fact that this is the best Padres season they've literally had in so long. I mean, even this 2016 when they made it, I don't think was as good. And the fact that people are throwing around the idea that this is their favorite team, that this might be the best Padres team, I still think that the the 96 team might be better. 84 are up there, uh, just based on what I've seen. It's based on just total reverence for a team. I'd say that 84 seems to still be like all... The, the fans that I see talking about it, like that's still the team that people really uh, are super nostalgic about and love so much. But this is like one of those teams that's, and I, I talked about it with John Gennaro where that's just so much fun. And back in 2006, like just thinking about it, man, like, I don't know, man. I put out that tweet saying like Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest was the top grossing movie. That was back when like, 
my mom, myself, and whatever friend I brought with the movies to me, we were going to see movies together. Like, that's what we did. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so funny to, like, think about, but that's what it was. You know, New Super Mario Brothers for the DS was out that year, which was, like, my life in summer camp because I remember we would all, like, do the competition over that stuff. Like, just a different time of my life. Uh, I had it. I still was at my kind of loser stage where nobody, uh, a bunch of kids made fun of me, but I was slowly starting to come out of it, I think. Uh, slowly starting to be a little bit better, but for the most part, it was kind of a little bit of my loser stage uh, in my life. But summer camp, I remember being a lot of fun. I will say that much. Uh, school was, was very bad. All the kids sucked, but um, <laughs> for the most part, they sucked. Um, it's just so amazing to see that this is you know, the team and to see that I'm watching Denelson Lamette be compared in some way to Jake Peavy, who everybody loves. And I know that in 2006 wasn't his best season. He did crack 200 Ks that year. Just look at his baseball reference page. But um, he did it in ERA over four. It was 4.09 to be exact. And then the year after is when he wins the Cy Young. Um, I just think that this has been remarkable and I've really appreciated just being a part of this with a bunch of people who have, of course, been a fan of the team and been following the team through more dark days, you know what I mean? I remember them in the Seth Smith Wolvetable days, but I don't remember them in the the real deep cuts. You know, I don't remember 2011. I don't remember 2012, you know? Like, those aren't the teams that I'm, as, I as much remember, you know? Uh, I just remember especially just being like, yeah, the Padres are that team that blew an unbelievable lead in 2010 to, uh, to, the, to the Giants in the, in the, the playoff race. Um and for them to win now is just super special. Um, and it's going to be really interesting seeing all these guys in the postseason. You know, There's a lot of guys that haven't been in the postseason for the Padres, which is one of the big things where, you know, first of all, it has to be thrown out there that it's, a, it's this wild card kind of two out of three you know, set. Like, who knows who can win that, right? It's going to be mad, the postseason this year. Like, I'm actually so amped to see how the postseason looks in baseball this year. It's going to be so ridiculous having more teams and games played. And while I don't necessarily agree with having more teams in the playoffs, I, I just, for now, it's going to be super exciting. And, you know, as I, while they don't have, you know, some guys on this team, you know, from Grisham, who his most famous playoff moment was that, that error he made with the Brewers. And I think it was right field when he made that mistake. That was awful. Hopefully he doesn't make that mistake uh, this time. You know, Tatis, obviously, and... Um, Chris Paddock, and I don't think Zach Davies has been in the playoffs. I could be wrong about that. But, uh, you know, they still got some guys who have been in the playoffs, right? And, you know, as much as you don't have the Lamets and Tatis, who are some of our top players who haven't made it, uh, you still have guys who have, like Eric Hosmer, you know what I mean? And Mike Clevenger, while he wasn't great, necessarily great, uh, some of the years he was in the postseason for the the, the Cleveland Indians, he still had his moments. Uh, I think Mitch Borland was in the playoffs. I, I assume he was on the playoff teams with the, with the Red Sox, uh, who comes up with big hits. And while Mitch Moreland hasn't been great for us, I still am looking forward to seeing that. And, of course, Machado, who has been to the playoffs, and if not for some odd decisions by Buck Showalter not to use the best closer in the game that year to maybe win the playoff or the wild card game, uh, maybe they would there would have been a more sample size and he was pretty good with the the Dodgers that one time so you know as much as this is a young team there's also a lot of veteran kind of people who have been there before to kind of balance things out so I'm really just I'm so ecstatic I don't I know it doesn't sound like it I haven't done any type of like you know Cronin worthy shouting or anything like that I just I feel like there's nothing to be said you know we knew this was kind of coming this isn't a last second playoff clinch it is one that you know, it's 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 not that it's not been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. You know, in the sense that um, 
you know, it's it's been so long since they made the playoffs. But in terms of like, this has felt like a playoff team for basically the last two and a half weeks. We kind of knew that this is where the team was heading in. To just see it come to fruition is so exciting. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of it in some way. To be able to tell my mom when I'm watching the Padres game that this is technically part of work. And the fact that they're the best they've been in so long. All my friends are starting to get on top of the Padres and be like, wow, we're going to root for this team too because we know you cover them. It's just been such an amazing experience. And I'm just so uh, happy to be part of it guys i'm just grateful i really am and and i'm also grateful to hear that this is one of everybody's favorite padres teams not just because they're good but because this is so much fun and you know they're kind of the story of baseball this year um they just they just did their job you know what i'm saying guys but speaking of jobs just taking a second guys to talk to you about a very particular site that is very good when it comes to job-related things. That is indeed, everybody, even in this absolute toxic, acrid, nuclear, radioactive waste of a year that is 2020, you just got to keep moving. You know what I mean? Whether you're business, employer, you, you just you got to keep moving right now. You know what I mean? I know I use Indeed all the time when I'm looking for jobs myself. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollar credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast to try out indeed with a free 75 dollar credit at indeed.com slash locked on mlb this is their best offer available anywhere that's right anywhere just for you guys go right now to indeed.com slash locked on mlb turns and conditions apply offered is valid through september 30th and then really quickly, guys, I also want to talk to you about the homies at Built Bar. Yum, yum. Sorry if this makes you super hungry, but I'm also not sorry because Built Bars are super tasty. I've said this before, guys. They are soft. They're chewy. They taste like candy bars. And on top of that, they are super duper healthy for you. They're great for you if you're on the keto diet. You know, they've got, they're low calorie. They're low sugar. They're high protein. They're high fiber. They got everything you need. You know what I mean? For the health conscious sort of guy or gal. And not only that, they've also got all these new, six new amazing flavors are coming right and i'm gonna read them to you right now they got caramel brownie oh yeah they got cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp if you didn't get hungry just thinking about that guys i don't know what's wrong with you i don't even want to know you and guess what even better guys Built Bar is offering our listeners a great, great offer. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order, and you'll also get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. This is great. This is this is such a great deal. So guys, remember that it's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Go check it out. And I wanted to talk about just some points I want to bring up for what I'm looking forward to in terms of the regular season. What is it that I feel like we can learn from the regular season about the team and how they could perform and just how they were in the year in general? And there's not necessarily too much because this is baseball. This isn't necessarily football or basketball where I feel like you could learn a little bit more. In baseball, it's like, who the heck knows, you know? Look at the 2000... 
what was it like 13 Yankees when they everybody went into a slump I forgot what year that was it was like when Robbie Cano and uh, Jeter Jeter gets hurt it was like Robbie Cano Nick Swisher all these guys just went dead cold for them even though they were one of the best better offensive teams in the league Uh, so that could happen with the Padres of course Knock on wood, hoping they don't obviously have that. But in terms of the rest of the season, some things I'm looking forward to is the Mitch Moreland thing, who hasn't been good for the Padres basically throughout the entire time he's been with them. I know he had that one home run for them. That that basically ended up being like a really clutch hit that they needed. But if you look at his total line, I mean, this is a guy that before coming to the Padres, he was batting 328, 430, 746, which is just... Not just good, but insane compared to most of the rest of his career. Um, but he's still, you know, he's been a guy who could definitely get on base a decent amount. Like the year before this, he, he was 264, 346, 554. So that's pretty decent, right? Um, and the same thing goes for his all-star year. But even though his all-star year, he kind of stepped back in the second half. But anyway, keep moving on. Um, but now his slash line with the Padres, he's batting 185, 228, 315, which is not even, repl- that's like below replacement level. So the biggest thing I think is to just see Mitch Moreland show us something. I know that he's a veteran. I know that he's had some moments like just being in the playoffs with the Red Sox and kind of been a, you know, been part of that before. He's been there before, so he is that kind of veteran, but I would like to see his bat at least heat up a little bit. You know, I've been making I made fun of Profar at the beginning of the year. I don't need to see that kind of a turnaround, but just a little bit of a turnaround to make me think, okay, like at least I won't hate seeing that this guy is up I'm curious to see um this is probably this goes with my second point that I want to make is just what kind of other lineup uh kind of configurations is Tingler going to experiment with because I think in the postseason it's possible that they may move Moreland down you know they might just ride the hot hand I don't know what more uh, uh Jace Tingler is going to do he is a rookie manager so I know that there's a lot of pressure on getting the perfect lineup and all that stuff so I want to see Mitch Moreland can you just build a little bit of a thing bat 250 you know, bat around that for the rest of the way. Bat 260, maybe draw a couple walks. At least show that this wasn't the ultimate, ultimate playing above your head right before we traded for you kind of thing. Um, so hopefully we could see a little bit more from Mitch Moreland. That's my one of my main uh, things I'm looking forward to seeing for the rest of the season. Um along with the other lineup experiments. Another thing I'm looking forward to is Zach Davies. And I believe, I believe, I could be wrong. I maybe I'm missing something, but I think he is scheduled to start. Uh, tonight's game, yeah, it, he is scheduled to start tonight's game. I want to know if he's going to start maybe the last game of the season against the Giants. And the reason I want to know that is because because it'll be one of the first teams that he faces that he has faced before. You know what I mean? So I'm wondering if you know he did face the Dodgers for the second time, and compared to the first time, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Like first time he faced the Dodgers, went seven innings, gave up four hits, two runs. Uh, to walk two guys and to struck out five. And that was basically only on the home run, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while ago. That was back in August. And then he faced them again, September 15th, obviously a few days ago, and then got hit more, giving up eight hits, three runs, walking one and striking out five. I'm just wondering, and granted, it is the Dodgers. Do not get me wrong. It is the Dodgers. But I want to see, is it possible that maybe people start to get a little bit better at figuring Zach Davies out? Like I've said before, he's basically got that one annoying sinker. You know what I mean? The changeup. Like, is it possible that this is a guy that, teams get better once they figure out his thing once they figure out his shtick I'm not saying that's gonna happen I'm just wondering and I'm saying you know if he ends up pitching and I don't necessarily think he would I think that there's a chance that they just rest him uh, against the Giants but I just want to see uh, if they use Davies uh, in that situation but I'm, I'm a little bit dubious I think it's a slight chance that they
they do. Maybe if an injury happens or something like that, uh, or Jace or Chris Paddock pitches well again, and then they're like, you know what, screw it, we're we're we'll we'll throw out Daisies tonight, and then we're gonna go away with Paddock. I don't know what the heck they're gonna do. Basically, just uh, looking forward to seeing that and just seeing other teams kind of who have bat- battled against the Padres before, seeing kind of you know what's the momentum heading into the postseason. Um, another point, which is just a fun one. Uh, I can't wait to see more Trevor Rosenthal tweets. You know what I mean? I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see just what happens with that guy. He's been so much fun. I just saw him retweet something. I have, I literally have Twitter notifications, um, on for him right now. He just retweeted an article. I'm pretty sure that was about himself, about how he's been such a great addition for the team. And he has been for sure. hundred percent. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that guy has been in the postseason before when he's with the Cardinals. So hopefully I am wrong about, you know, all this stuff about worrying about Davies and that it won't matter because Trevor Rosenthal has the vibes and he is with us and he seems to be so ecstatic about being with the Padres. It's like the most, he's like the most ecstatic pitcher I've seen traded for to a winning team since like Verlander the year he got traded to the Astros, who clearly just wanted to be on a winning team. Might be the case with Rosenthal. But lastly, the most important point, which everyone's probably wondering is, what's going to happen with this MVP thing? Because I think it's fair to say that Tatis has probably lost it. He's been in such a slump for the past few weeks. And while he basically was the... Here's what I will say. Fernando Tatis Jr. is the story of baseball this year. I don't think that this even this gargantuan slump that he's had takes away from that. I really don't. I think that he's been excellent basically the whole way through. I am wondering about who's going to win the MVP. And if you just look up some numbers right now, because I know everybody, you know, loves numbers when it comes to baseball. You know, if you just look at position players, war among position players, it goes Mookie Betts for the Dodgers, then Jose Abreu on the White Sox, DJ LeMahieu for the Yankees, and then Manny Machado's fourth. So here's the thing. I, this is a Padres podcast. Everybody knows, you know, there's a bias here. But this is one of the instances where I do want to give credit to the story and not necessarily look at just numbers. The reason why I want to do that is because Mookie Betts is on a stacked team. I don't think that that team is a disaster without him. I think a bad Machado season is a lot worse. That's just me, though. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Some people would argue, well, the Padres, everybody's been good. You can point to Cronenworth, Myers, and uh, hey, Austin Nola, who you just acquired, and Trent Grisham, right? But I really do feel like there's just something about how much they needed Machado to bounce back this year. Because he was so adequate, kind of painfully adequate last year, that he needed that bounce back and to show people, I'm going to come up big with big hits. You know, and that's why I still think Machado should get it. And I think that he should get it not just because of those things about him individually and needing a bounce back season for and all these naysayers who are saying, oh, he's a dirty player and boo, he doesn't hustle and all this nonsense, even though he's a guy that plays like every game and works out, you know, harder than like anybody, right? For him to come back and be like, yeah, that's right, I can still be the Manny Machado that you saw offensively uh, back with Baltimore, I just think that says a lot. Bookie, Mookie Betts, it's like, who is, I don't feel like we've talked about Bookie Betts a lot this year. And the Grand Slam from Machado, like, I just feel like there's been more moments for Manny Machado. And I think that the Padres in general have been the story of baseball. So while Mookie Betts winning, I wouldn't be offended, obviously. I would never be offended. I love I love Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is so much fun. Uh, he's a great player. I think Betts is like the key acquisition moment almost of the offseason. And I just think it would be incredibly, okay, fine. If he wins the MVP, at least that's to me. Some people will argue and say, no, man, it's it's so insane that the Red Sox gave this guy up and then he immediately won an MVP with them in the bubble. You know what I mean? Like he was immediately great. Um, 
I just think that, you know, the Padres, I feel like you reward that team this year. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, Betts has a 3.2 war while Machado has a 2.6. I just feel like let's not... Uh, you know, I, I actually can't compare it to Trout last year, which I talked with Miller back in the day, if you guys remember, where I was just like, yeah, all right, Mike Trout won again. Can we talk about how good Houston was, though? And that, like, or DJ LeMahieu, like, those guys were on winning teams, and I think sometimes that should be taken into account. Just every now and then, especially if it's not such a wide discrepancy where it's like Bregman's war was like eight last year. You know what I mean? And Mike Trapps was like nine. Like, is it that bad, guys, if we don't give it to him? You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying there. Uh, I'm really looking forward to see how it plays out. Maybe Betts doesn't have a good moment at the end. Maybe Machado hits some more walk-off hits. Maybe he has some more moments. We'll see. Uh, but that's the big story, obviously, I think that everyone's going to be paying attention to, is just this MVP race. And if Betts get it, I won't be upset because it'll be Mookie Betts, but I will be a little bit sad because I'm like, dang, the, the Padres were the story of the season, though. It's almost how I feel about almost all. Almost how I feel about LeBron James with the Heat or with the with the Lakers this year, where I'm like, I feel like there's a lot of a story to be said for this 35 year old who went out here after not making the playoffs and with together with Davis, they were the best team in the Western Conference. So I don't know. That's just me though. Um, but those are really all my main points. I'll think of some more points uh, down the line. I guess I'm just the last question will be, you know. I brought this up with Jad Jadera. I'm going to leave this. I'm going to probably talk about this tomorrow, but so for you guys to just think about it, um, is Myers the biggest heel turn I can remember having for a team I've ever followed? Just from a guy that I didn't really like to a guy that I love now, you know? I'm going to talk about that on tomorrow's podcast probably because there is an off day tonight for the Padres, guys. Uh, there is no game tonight, of course. Still, looking forward to more Padres baseball as always, guys. They are postseason bound, baby. I can't wait to watch the playoffs, guys. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, whatever, whatever. Go review the show on iTunes. Give me some five stars for the five-star team that is the San Diego Padres. Um, And that's about it, guys. You know? And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful, my fire faithful homies. Take care.